0: G'day and welcome back to the Talking Leadership TV podcast series. Thanks for joining us again. My guest today is Ben Wheeler. Ben has a Bachelor of Science and is a member of the Australian Institute of Company Directors. As a Director of People to People, Ben is responsible for all aspects of the business and leads a team of specialist recruiters. In 2022, People to People won the Outstanding Large Agency Award and were Growth Company of the Year for 2019, 18, and 2016. As always, thank you for your support of the podcast, but enough from me, I'll hand over to our guest, Ben. Ben, thanks for having a chat with me today, mate. So, where we will start the discussion is around leadership pathways. And I, I want to ask you about yours and maybe we'll make this a two-parter. So, your leadership pathway and how that led you to the recruitment industry in Australia. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So, um, leadership pathway, and well, I think even leadership journey. Um, and I, I did think about this, obviously, that we were talking. And I think the journey starts. A long long time before the first day at work that's for sure so even think about leadership being um you know from, from when you're a child so i'm uh one of ten children so it's a pretty big uh pretty big family and and you grow up and you're around and you witness leaders from from the start of course whether it's your older siblings your, your parents uh and then at school and then even in sport and then when you get to work you've obviously had a lot of exposure leadership to to begin with and for me actually getting into what I would say a a leadership role was around 12 years ago sort of first um, management um, position but well before then I'd learned a hell of a lot about leadership and for me I think looking at that journey it's been a series of being influenced by some some very good leaders and, and taking a lot from them and being being inspired for me that's what leadership is. It's about being inspired to be better. And when I look back, there's there's at least four or five people that I would reference to say, you know, they really had that that impact on me, and actually made me want to be a leader, um, as well. And on the same uh, sort of vein, there's also the bad leaders that you've seen and they say bad, but the people you think, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be like that. Um, I don't want to work with that person, or I don't want to be around that person, or in that team, or in that environment. So. I think um looking through through the journey, it's been a series of of being influenced.
0: Yeah, that has come up a couple of times in my conversations. and I might ask you if you've had a ch- uh, chance to think about this for yourself, do you think the bad ones stick more in your mind than the good ones, or is it somewhere um, equal or or not? No, I, think, I don't
1: think they do. I think you forget them um I, because a good leader you're inspired by and it really you know you, you remember the names you remember the moments but i think if if there's an environment where you've been in where you think this leader's not for me, i think you sort of forget them and it's sort of you, you move on pretty pretty quickly um so i'd say because a good leader leaves quite an impression on you it's a lot easier to remember those and, and those along the years that you think well i don't think i want to be in that environment they're just sort of into
0: history Oh, no, I, I, I can understand that. For me uh, personally, I and maybe it's the way I'm hardwired, so maybe you're a more positive person than I am, but I definitely remember the bad ones, not not in the sense that I remember how they made me feel, but it was more this, I'm not going to mimic those behaviours when I'm dealing with other human beings mm. because of how it made me feel. So I, I, mm. I guess my anger or... or not necessarily anger, but maybe um, that feeling of disappointment that you have dissipates and it's Mm. more what the hell do you not do going Mm. forward to make yourself a better operator? And I can't say hand on heart that I haven't had a few stuff ups in that Mm -hmm. process. And um, maybe I'll ask this of you in terms of being introspective when you think about an interaction that hasn't gone well, how do you process that? Do you take time out? after mm. immediately after, do you you wait a little while or is it some someone might trigger something and you go, Oh shit, maybe I, I hadn't thought about that as much as I needed to.
1: Mm. I definitely I'd say take a bit of time out because when you're in the moment, I don't think you can always um, think through things clearly particularly a very stressful situation and often that's when we make mistakes and geez I've made a lot of mistakes you know I think you you learn a lot through failure and you just got to admit it and, and I think the biggest thing for me is is what I've learned and certainly again from 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 leaders that I work with is that you can't be too hard on yourself as well like you're going to make mistakes it's not going to be perfect and as a leader the probably going to be amplified isn't it really it's going to be pointed out um but if, if you took everything very very personally um you wouldn't probably be able to do anything again because there's, there's, it, it just comes up so i think taking time uh, away from it thinking okay what can i learn from it and then i think one of the things particularly thinking about myself is that I, I am able to sort of bounce back quite quickly sort of one thing i've sort of noticed and i think it's because i do take the time out and go right you know that was a terrible day um, and, and and it is a, something that we see in our industry because we have highs and lows. It goes up and down in recruitment. I mean, there's definitely the ups and downs. And to continue an industry, you have to be able to you know have a bad day and come back and be up oh, very, very positive fairly quickly. But for me, it's taking the time out to actually think about it and then try and find a positive because there always is a learn. There's something there.
0: Yeah, I, I could not disagree. I, I think you you do yourself a disservice if you don't have a think about and how quickly that happens after an incident. I think in, from my experience, I know, can only speak about me here that uh, it really depends on the context in which you're working in. And um, I've always found I respect leaders around me that own the mistake and try and do something quite publicly to fix that mm. mistake. Now depends on, on the level obviously of what the error has been, but um, to, find that other people that you're working with particularly in the leadership contexts that make mistakes just humanizes you a yeah. little bit um because i'm yet to meet the perfect leader yeah. in that sense that never makes a misstep um i don't think that person exists if they do congratulations yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> that would be that would be amazing <laughs> i don't i don't think they exist um let me ask you this uh your personal checklist Um, can be as long as it needs to be obviously for what you believe are critical leader capabilities and then what are you seeing in the marketplace Mm. and do do you see those in in candidates around the place or is it a mish is it a mix of things
1: Mm. I think I think it's changed um, since that COVID I'm not going to talk about COVID too much because that we all want to get past that but it has changed uh on, on the wishes and the, the main thing just just touching on that would be when you use the word humanized but i think during that that period um and everybody i'm sure went through this not unique to our industry at all and, and of course we're dealing with lots of different industries talking to different leaders on a regular basis different businesses is you know, there was um, particularly that push for people just to say to check in with their workforce and say how are you feeling now that Actually, for me, I was thinking about this morning, I was thinking, I don't think that happened genuinely on a regular basis prior. Of course, good morning, how are you? Good, thank you, how are you? you But do you really sit down and not say, how are you feeling about work? It was actually a, a question saying, how are you feeling? And it's the whole person. And when I think about it, I don't think those conversations really happened that much. So I think as a leader... It, there was quite a big switch to actually um, getting more into to, to the person than just just speaking work. So the capabilities that I'd say that, that, that are really important and thought when recruiting leaders, which is obviously on a on a regular basis, would be that ability to have a, a sort of authentic and a, a real conversation. Um, and in order to get the, the best out of people, I think you, you have to. You can't just say, you know, someone seemed particularly upset today. Oh, is it to do with work? No, okay, moving on. Um, you have to you have to talk to the the whole whole person and figure out what's going on. So I think uh, being uh, authentic and, and real is is really important, and I think that's really come to the fore more than ever. Um, that ability to to inspire others, and I think it comes from having those conversations and learning what's important, and also being able to switch depending on on the actual people. One of the biggest challenges I find is is often, particularly in a in executive role, CEO, for instance, tend to be quite uh, the driver, uh, quite intense and, and, and sort of pushing, pushing, pushing. And they, they sometimes struggle to think, well, why isn't everybody like me? I don't get it. Um, and I think the weakness there is not understanding that the motivation of the person. So say someone's in a, a, a different level role and, you know, the, their focus might be that they wanted to just get the work done uh, and go home, and spend time with their family. Um, you know that's the motivation whereas maybe this ceo as an example is i must hit this goal i want to get this much and maybe i'm going to get this huge bonus and that sort of thing is different so i think being able to understand the different motivations for each people is is critical and if you're just stuck in that one sort of sphere you just get you just see it again and again you just get turnover below because they push people push people and they don't understand what the people are actually looking for and if you don't have motivations it's just going to end up being a sort of a churn. Experience.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. I, I and I'm not. I have no issue with you bringing up the uh, COVID process and what that meant for leadership. And you raised some very interesting points around what what motivates me to be in a job is going to very be very different to what mm-hmm. motivates you. And I, I, let me ask you this because I'd be um, I'd be silly if I didn't ask you because you brought it up, and I think it's worth pursuing around. Um, not exposing so much, but identifying leaders whose pra- practice might not be up to um, up to speed is did COVID nineteen expose um, ineffective leadership, and now we have to wear the consequences of that, or was it an opportunity an opportunity of sorts to get better practice from leaders? Where where would you sit on that? in broad terms, I think it's both
1: I think it, it did expose um ineffective leaders. I think it amplified it um is what I would say. So I, I think and also just in general business there was I classify two types of business as those that that gained loyalty during that period uh, and those are the ones that really um showed compassion and empathy and 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 really thought about their employees. And the those that that didn't um and that typically would be the more old school, old school type of leadership where they, they didn't really do a lot to look after their people. So coming out of COVID, they don't have loyalty. Uh, That's you got resentment because you'd be talking to other people and other businesses and say, what's your business doing for you? And if, if they find out it's not as good as others, then you, you get the resentment. So I think it, from a leadership perspective, um, it amplified where, where there was that difference in approach. And I think that became more and more apparent as we were coming out of it.
0: Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. And I'm hearing that quite a lot. And yes, asking questions around COVID is doing people's heading, but I don't think we're 100% out of what the consequences of that period are going to be. The biggest one that I can see, and I'm a sick, tragic, and I look on LinkedIn fairly regularly, as, as some of us do, because uh, I've got nothing better to do is that um, I, I believe that um, the process of the hybrid working uh, mm. setup and the work from home or whatever the combination is, is going to be the future of the work structure, particularly in white collar um, professional jobs. I don't think it's quite the same with operational blue collar mm. yep. uh, roles, because if you have to be in a factory setting, you have to be on site, working from home just won't work for some jobs
1: it exists yeah yeah and i think that that is an important point you mentioned about this the switch uh, the hybrid that's probably one of the one of the biggest things that i think has come out of it and it's also one of the biggest challenges and i don't think it's unique to, to recruitment industry i'm sure it's very similar across a number of different industries but for us um and it is a sales environment i think people you know, just recruitment just HR, well, it actually has quite a heavy sales environment. And in that environment where I was talking about the ups and the downs, that's quite hard when you are in a remote situation. Um, so one of the biggest challenges I think we have is managing that energy. And it was very easy when I go back years ago when you've got your office full and it's noisy and, and, and everything. There's a high of it activity because recruitment is... A an industry that lives on the energy, so it really the more that you do, the more that things happen. It's about activity, so you can really get heavily influenced by by other people around you or doing things, and you get that sort of someone used the word the vibe the other day, which I'm particularly like. But you get you get a sense of it. So when you're when you're at home, um, that's quite hard. If you're very self motivated, fantastic. Um, but there's going to be times when maybe you lose a bit of motivation in an office environment, maybe someone might see that you, you've been on the phone, you had a hard phone call you, your head's down. Oh, you know, well, I just heard that. That sounded pretty tough. You're at home, no one hears the phone call. They've got no idea what's going on. You've just got to deal with that yourself. Are you going to pick up and then have a team's call, but what if you can't get through to them because they're on the phone? So it is quite, um, I think, isolating, and I think that is a challenge for, for our industry that, that definitely has come up. And, and also the other thing is that osmosis learning where as – a lot of uh, recruitment is learned through hearing someone else do it. So hearing someone on the phone or hearing someone sort of in a meeting, but again, the hybrid situation, if, if it's the work from home time, um, particularly people new to the industry, they're just not going to learn that. So I think that makes it quite uh, quite difficult. To, and, and, and then across all industries, of course, managing your team when you're, you're on Teams calls. <laughs> all the time is quite, quite difficult, whereas in an office you could, and
0: it's quite easy just to point people out. Yeah, maybe um, you've had your Nostradamus moment there uh, and you're predicting maybe a change in the uh, recruitment sector. Um, I look from an outsider's perspective and I'll I'll wear my hat of being an outsider. I I don't think recruitment is going to be any different. However, if what you're saying is true and I have no reason to doubt you, that you learn from that drive of being around people and picking up energy and are learning through osmosis as you just uh, rightly pointed out that may change the tenor of what the recruitment uh, sector looks like. But then again, you guys morph when you need to, when things get tough. And so I think you guys um, as a, as a sector and I'm, and I'm talking again uh, high picture and, and outsider to your industry, if those ebbs, ebbs and flows exist, as you suggest, and um everyone knows that about the recruitment sector, at least those that have had any experience with you guys would know that, that that um, ability to deal with ambiguity and change, mm. I think if that's not in your DNA, you're not going to survive potentially as a recruitment business. And as a leader, how do you manage those ebbs and flows? This is, this is interesting to me because you, you've, you've opened mm. the door for this. So I, I might as well ask you, how do you manage that, that ebb and flow in your industry?
1: I would say because, as you're saying, the, the ups and the downs and the ebbs and flows, it's it's about trying to find the positive. Um, and, and there is one, even, even during COVID thinking, right, well, we had to give you some context, 70% job and the number of vacancies, you know, like everybody, a lot of business, but recruitment recruitment is... is quite sentiment-based. So even we see sort of little fluctuations now, um, confidence to hire people can change pretty quickly. So when that happened, it was thinking, right, what are, what are we doing? We're definitely at a low here. And it was tough from a leadership perspective to find a positive. But then you think, well, hang on a sec, we can actually add value. Call all your candidates. Uh, oh, I don't, you know, I don't have any jobs right now. What I'm going to do? So you don't have to have a job, but you can you can reengage with people um, because there will be a point where it comes out of it, and obviously we've seen that. Um, and there still is a positive to you know offering people advice, the um, people that have lost their roles, um, making sure they've got their CV ready. You're still doing something good, so there is a positive, uh, and just give you a reason really just to just to keep going. So it's always trying to sort of I suppose lift the the motivation up to up to a, a higher level even when a lot of people would have you know the world's going to end it's it's horrific and I think for as a leader that that is the biggest sort of challenge when you have your, your ebbs and flows and everybody will have them even if we exclude sort of economic times um the amount of times where things just don't go your way uh, and I think in our industry that you could do the dealing with people as a if, if there was you could call them a product um your product can change its mind not turn up um and if that happens and dealing with people it does it's on the recruiter as the middle person to sort of wear that and and that might be completely outside of their control because of course now control people but it's hard to take when you think i've done everything i possibly could but it's still my fault and i think you've in this industry you've got to be able to work through that and if you're very forthright so that's not fair um, and you can't bounce back from it, then you shouldn't be in this industry. There's no way you'll last because it will happen on a regular basis. You've got to be able to go through it um, and then then bounce back from it because there's quite a lot of rejection that we
0: deal with. Yeah, and that's um, yeah. Look, I hadn't I hadn't thought about that element of it and listening to no's or or, or things not. Um, happening the way you want or that rejection piece that you've just talked about then, yeah, that could be um, detrimental to your, to keeping a positive mindset. Mm-hmm. But if you understand that that's part of what it is to work as a recruiter, this idea of being resilient in that context, you've got to build that resilience, obviously, over time. And somebody yes. has to tell you, this is normal. Um, right. We'll get through it and here's a strategy to do it. And this this leads... I don't think me for me um, to ask the following of you if I could, Ben. Around what motivates you to get up in the morning and do the job that you do as a leader, and and seeing that in big terms, like what what's what sparks sparks your interest to do what it is that you do.
1: I think uh, first of all, as a leader, and this could apply to any area, it's what what motivates me is is seeing where you have someone that might not believe that they can do something and it's you know it's a bit you know I'm a father I've got two children and it's not making the stuff self children but you know when someone says oh, i def- i can't do this i can't do this and then they do and then suddenly that that belief sort of comes and in in a work context you can see that you know people going out of their comfort zone uh, just that little bit, and then they learn, they get better. And, and it's immensely rewarding to see people uh, achieve things when perhaps they didn't feel like they had the, um, the, the ability or, or, or weren't able to do it. And I think, again, going back to sort of my journey, that's what had the biggest impact on me and people showing some belief in me, uh, inspiring me to do something that's a little bit uncomfortable and they go, oh, actually, I can do it. Um, and for me, that, that, that is massively massively rewarding to see others achieve and, and then in the general uh, I'd say the industry I really enjoy it because it's it changes so much in in, in the day-to-day you never know what's going to happen dealing with in the, in the people business so um, there's always something that comes up that you couldn't have foreseen but it keeps it really interesting um, and you, you're always I think challenged and for me if I was in a position where I'm not out of my comfort zone it's actually and like I was in a role for a period of time, and it was probably the toughest part of my my working career because I just felt like I was going nowhere. I'm not being challenged, and it was really really tough. Whereas in this job, you're always challenged, so it sort of feeds feeds I think what I need to be pushed and and uh, made to sort of think on your feet.
0: Yeah, I've often thought uh, again outside of looking into the recruitment industry that those that are seriously are successful in recruitment are a mix of leader and entrepreneur in some sense because your your appetite for risk and your appetite to deal with change is a little different to the average person. So for me, um, working in your industry would be a nightmare for me about how, what does success look like, constant mm. rejection, um, mm. having to pick yourself up all the time and being able to deal with that new that nuance of change on a regular basis would be quite draining for someone like me, uh, particularly um, being an uh, introvert.
1: So, generally across every level of the business, you, you'll find because people business you, we would uh, attract extroverts, um, certainly more than more than introverts. Um, with with leaders, there's certainly some that would uh particularly talking about the hybrid office environment um they really do need the energy of other people um and i know one particular that that is exactly true but for myself i would say uh i don't necessarily need to feed off others quite quite uh self-motivated so i wouldn't say it has to always have to be an environment where we're around people so a hybrid situation actually think it's been a fantastic thing and i think it's great because the the role itself does take a lot of your what I call social battery, um, and I'm an extrovert, but I'm not an extreme extrovert, so I don't need to get my energy from other people. I enjoy the interactions, but I also need that downtime. I really do, and if I don't get it, wow, I know about it. So I'm pretty strict about it. That I right, I'm calling it. I need to go and have a I minute. Mean, I've like, been at conferences and so on, and think, right, I'm going to need to put aside some time just to sort of recharge your social battery because it. And it runs out, whereas an extreme extrovert, they don't stop, do they? They're like, where's the next party? Where's the next thing? They're sort of onto it and onto
0: it. Yeah, that I've, I've met these people. I've grown up with these people in, in that, that uh, extrovert category, but I've also met those that are um, highly successful, that are introverts, and sort of everything in between, because what you've just outlined is almost um, that, the introvert extrovert on a on a on a spectrum. So at times you're highly extroverted, and other times you're needing to draw energy from yourself and and stepping back. And it, I think it's being able to balance that in yourself, and then mm-hmm. understand what that looks like in other people, is quite a skill set um, to have. And if you're already identifying it, more power to you. Um, I'm I'm still a student of that, and and trying to understand what. It means in different industry contexts and I guess it, it can be situational'm'm um, I'm, I'm, I don't have any research to back me on that I'm, I'm just uh, going from what I've seen and, and the conversations that I've had so in in your from your experience has been particularly from that um, recruitment space do you find there's a certain type that uh, that um, gravitates to leadership in terms of personality or is it a big mix of of things when you're dealing with people at that um, at that senior leadership level?
1: I would say to generalise, there is more so going back to this introvert extrovert, probably more so on on the extrovert side of things. So, I, I think um, people leadership, you're dealing with a lot of people. You, you generally find uh, an extrovert's going to be uh, more comfortable in that space. And don't get me wrong, there's some you know fantastic people that are on the introvert scale, but If you think about where you draw your energy from if you're an introvert and and being around lots of people all the time is is very draining then wow it's going to be a tough job isn't it if you're dealing with people all the time so there's some great introverts that do it, but it could be a little bit harder so to generalize i'd say it's more so on on the extrovert sort of side and where we see a lot of the challenges in particularly owner-led businesses is where you might have an introvert who's created a fantastic product or, or fantastic service business model offering who, who's looking to scale the business and move it up, but they aren't necessarily the best leader. Um, and it's it can be a real shame to see that it, it never really gets to that next level because they hold on to the leadership role. Whereas I think some of those really, or well, definitely see the very successful business, great product, great model. They almost sort of step aside stick to what they you know brilliant at developing that business and, and appoint a leader um, and allow them to actually do that role and and then that's when magic happens and you can see it grow quite a lot
0: yeah I'm, I'm glad you shared that Ben because I'm, I'm, I'm hearing more and more that that ability to uh, cut the umbilical cord of the business or the idea that you've mm-hmm. built and let somebody else nurture it can be quite a challenge to some people and you know I would suggest, again, um, taking a personal perspective here, that the most effective leaders are the ones that can step back and go, you know what, I might not be the best at something, but I'll get the people Mm -hmm. around me that um, can do those things. And I see that in entrepreneurs a fair bit uh, because not all entrepreneurs would say hand on heart that they're the best leader. Mm -hmm. They might be the best ideas person. And having someone who's in that ideas cloud all the time is not necessarily the best person to be the details person or to be the leader Mm. in a business where the uh, the operational side of things requires um, a lot of attention to detail it's not a it's not a slight on Mm. those that are ideas people but to recognize the difference I think is important Um, and I I don't see it that um, people recognize that a lot do you find that Oh, I think, yeah, bit, I think yeah, being okay. conscientious, so you talk about leadership capabilities,
1: that is very, very important. Being able to recognize um, that maybe it would be better to get somebody in that role. And I think it, it can be a power thing. And obviously, you, if, if you've started your own business, you're an entrepreneur, you know, it's, it's sort of your baby, isn't it? And the step to say, I'm not the CEO anymore is it, quite a, a big thing. But no, you, you do see. Um, that not everybody can can recognise and sort of step back from it, but that ability to do it is a a big part I think of 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 success um and and sort of getting to that next level.
0: yeah, i I see that as a quite transactional thing that if you've built something up and you can get someone to help take it, the idea of the business to the next level and increase your passive income, increase Thanks. your ability to draw something from the business because you you're not setting something up yeah. as a for-profit without wanting to make some profit out of the idea that it seems to me to be a no brainer, but the bits that you hang on to aren't necessarily the making the money. It's the control of the process, the control of the people.
1: Uh, yes. And it also could be, what's defined as a person. It's your life. It could be the business is your life. So if you're an entrepreneur and and you've you, you no doubt got lots of passion, you've gone and done something that everyone else, you know, maybe you and I be like, oh, that's crazy, but they've gone and done it and they, and they keep going down that route. It, it has defined them as a person. So to let go of that, that's that's a very, very tough thing to do. And even though there's many consultants that would say, oh, this is the right way to do it, and it's all it's probably quite straightforward, um, to actually do it, very difficult to do. And I think it, it actually really works smoothly where that, that happens. Um, that they're able to genuinely sort of, sort of let it go, and it's a trust thing as well, um, to have somebody else come in and sort of start start calling
0: shots. Yeah, that that's a whole another discussion we could have around um, sense of self, and the creation mm. of a business, and how the two are sometimes inextricably linked. And that you know mm. your who you are, the sum total of you is not just the business or the idea or the product you've created. There's a lot more. Uh, to you and um yeah and and look let let me ask you this um and this is around identification of of um good effective leaders versus those that aren't so effective it's the nature versus nurture question so from your perspective mate are leaders born or are they made made okay yep
1: And going through um, my experiences, it's, it's being, as I said at the start, influenced by some some great leaders. So I I think that the experiences that you have, um, and, and it's looking at the leaders that we've worked with that are very good, they often have a story to, to their experiences and, and how they failed to learn. So you fail and then you learn, you fail, you learn, and they sort of get to a point, they listen, they see other people do things, but, you know, just being born into it. No, I, I don't think it's it's just a nature thing. What was what was your uh, view on that
0: nature? Uh, nature, I think it's a eighty twenty split. Um, I've I've met too many people in my life that have got, and and some of my colleagues will pet me for saying this, but an X factor in terms of pers- some personality traits that they are very good at organizing, very good at getting people together, very good at motivating other people, and 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 giving them the. Uh, sorry for the crass terminology, but the business case to move Mm. forward. Some people it's in their DNA. Others can be taught that. And I've met some exceptionally Mm. uh, good leaders and I've I've spoken to all of my guests have been good leaders in their own right, that um, that can take uh, some learning and then turn it into good practice. So I I don't for a second suggest that Um, everyone is born into these roles. I think the majority of, of effective good human beings that are leaders are made over time and yeah. um, it's not just you get to 50 and suddenly you're you're the best leader because I, I think it's disingenuous to say you're not constantly learning and, and from the experiences I've had in postgraduate studies and meeting some um, people whose minds are just next level that yeah. if you're not constantly thinking about things and challenging yourself you're going to get stale over time in whatever field Mm. You are. And so yeah, I think you can build a leadership capability. But then something that um has been weighing on my mind a little bit is you have to want to be working with other people. Now mm. I've I've I had a, a guest whose podcast isn't released yet. Uh Mark Lebesque is his name, and he uh works out of uh Victoria and he said to me, and this is now stuck in my mind, I can't get this thought out, I might get your perspective on this, is how often do we ask people in businesses do you want to be someone who leads and manages other people Mm -hmm. i don't know how often we ask that question because sometimes we promote just on technical ability alone and that sets up nightmares Mm -hmm. going forward so what's your experience of that ben
1: well we we do quite often actually so um the reason is because, you, you, again, technical, it'd be more so if you're obviously very good at good at recruiting. And, and we have sort of the two pathways. And, and I think this has existed in our industry for, for many, many years. In fact, I remember when I first started and explained to me uh, in an interview process, you either could go down the route of, of being very, very good at just recruiting yourself. Um, you get to that sort of um, level where you can be very, very successful, of course, um, be a subject matter expert, and that, that's fantastic. Or you can go the other route, which is which is leadership, and it's you know, pretty straightforward uh, how that works. Doesn't mean that that always goes exactly to plan, because like you were talking about, perhaps if somebody is is very good at one thing and then says, "But I want to be a leader," what if they don't have the, cap- the capabilities that that level of conscientiousness that I said? You go pretty terribly wrong, and it can be quite difficult for them to realize. Oh, um, I'm not used to this. I'm, I mean, I'm very, very good at doing this, so I should be very good at that. And it can be quite a, a difficult experience for them to to go through. In fact, the whole business, and even if you work for the person, it can be very difficult too. Um, so I'd say even though we we talk about it and it's open, you can definitely see uh, the hardest thing. I think is when someone's thinks I've got to be a leader because this is this is the right thing to do, and I want to be able to, you know, be a CEO one day. When it's it's not necessarily the only path. It's just people think it. This is what I should be doing.
0: Yeah, and that that uh, for me uh, again, this is a personal view. I think that's sometimes the failure of leadership in the business business that the leader is not setting an example for more what what is a good career plan for mm. you? What does that look like? Not not and don't get me wrong, not setting the plan for the person, but giving them a roadmap to go. So where do you want to be in three to five years? I know that's uh, an old hat question but I think it's worth bringing up Mm. that where how do you you want to develop and maybe you'll get the person that turns around that you think is going to be an exceptionally good leader they go "Oh, I love being a technical person Mm. I don't want to lead other people I don't want all of the psychological crap that goes with being a leader I don't want any of that and yeah I, I, I think if you if you ask that question more often you might be surprised that some people will go look happy to move up in the world and uh, uh, an increase in pay is quite nice, but it's maybe not what I want to do Mm. forever. And um, the resistance to asking that question, I know why that is. And I get the practicality to having a business where you trust the people that you've got, but some people just should not be leading other people. They're just not made for it, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, And I think maybe it's unique to our industry to an extent, but when it comes to your pay, um, I would say certainly isn't as if you're going to be earning less going down the, uh, as you might call it, technical route. Actually, you'll be earning, in, in many instances, this happens more, quite a bit more. Um, so it, it's not always a, a question of, of, of sort of, I suppose, getting your pay and increasing that you must take it to move up the sort of the chain. You can actually, in industry, earn a lot more getting very, very good at one particular thing, and um, you know, it doesn't just have to be a change in, in title. Um, I would say per se. And it's interesting you say about the don't want to deal with all the psychological aspects. One of the things that we have seen with, again, going back to this, how are you, how are you feeling? How are you? I think that has made people that are, are sort of moving through their careers, look at that and say, Oh, I don't know whether I want to deal with all the, uh, the, the people um, issues and concerns because as a leader, by going back to looking at more the whole person ever, and and particularly around mental health. And I think it's fantastic that we're all talking about it more than ever. It's really important. It's a great thing. But what I've seen as a challenge across all industries is you see, and you still see it now, but you saw it particularly during COVID, that leaders would be asking these questions. And and all of a sudden, get all this information about um, things that aren't necessarily work, about people's personal lives and, and, and everything like that. And there were many that took on too much. Um, they're almost as if become counsellors. We're not qualified to do it. They don't really know how to do it. They're giving out advice and it, it, it became very draining for them. And then it affected their uh, mental health and brought them down. So I think that was um, something that a lot of people went through that had to sort of step back and say, hey, that's actually, I'm not a psychologist. Um, I, can, I can coach the work aspect. Of course, to do that, I need to know, you know, the, the whole person, but there is a limit to it um whereas others just i think can go too far
0: yeah it, it was good and thank you oh, what i meant to say is thank you for bringing that up the the issue around mental health and leaders being at the middle at the forefront of that and asking some very basic questions like you said hey are you okay and you're not asking necessarily yeah. about the job but how what? are you just generally is not a question we're often asking and i think it is worth that response and, and I have personal experience of this through um, colleagues in previous industry that will still call up or send an email going, how are you? Not, not how's, are you making money? What are you doing with the consultancy? None of that yeah, bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, I'm sorry for the language. None of that bullshit. It's more, how are you going? Or they'll pick up a phone and go, how's, how's home? How are you? How's yeah. your health? All of that stuff. The ability for someone to take some time out of their day to do that is an amazingly good human thing to do, mm. but it's also a good way to then for you to reverse that question and ask the person who's asking you, well, how are you mm. doing? How, how are things going for you? And it's, mm. it's just a simple thing that human beings can do. Now, everything else that you mentioned about, you're not a counselor, you're not trained on this. That's where I think there's some gray issues around how much advice do you give mm. to someone who might self-disclose, Hey, Hey, I've got a family issue that I'm dealing with. Someone is unwell. Uh, there's some domestic violence happening at home. These are things where you know you need to know how to escalate and get them the help that they need, but not necessarily from you because underqualified is a big issue here. Around how do you give advice around good mental health without then crossing? some lines um but again going back to the very most basic element of it and you brought this up and i I think it's worth again talking about is just asking that simple question how are you Mm. without the work bs that goes with it is really important
1: It, it is really important and i think there is definitely um an element of you've got to be very mindful about how you how you react to certain responses, because there could be some very confronting, very serious things where you have to take action. And in fact, I was in a forum yesterday uh, with new legislation for Queensland coming in, and it's pretty much everywhere on psychosocial risk. And it's and I think it's fantastic. It's on the employer to look after WHS, which includes your your mental health and how um, how you respond to uh, instances where people might, might be struggling. And I think that, for the most part, a lot of people are very underprepared to deal with that. Um, and I think coming out of COVID and now talking about it as managers, that are like, wow, I, I, I don't really know what to, to do here. So we've certainly tried our best uh, in our business to say, hey, that there is a point and these are the actions that you need to take. Um, it, it's uh, something that, that can't be left. It's really important um and And I think everyone talking about it is better than ever. We work with a a charity responsible mental awareness foundation and it's been really good to see how they've they've really raised that uh, awareness of of just having that that conversation
0: um, um, good good that you're doing that It's good to hear that you're, you're pairing up with another organization to have those um conversations and yes i actually my third the third podcast in this series was talking yeah. to Jonathan Mamorll, who talked about yeah the issues around what's coming around psychosocial safety in the workplace and I again hazarding a guess here I I would say there are a lot of businesses that would not know Mm. that this is something that they need to be cognizant of and it's not to the point where you need to hire a psychologist and embed them in the business it's more Mm. if you see some telltale signs that need to be acted on then it's now incumbent on you to try and act on those things to the best of your ability and to be seen, to be giving us stuff because you're dealing with human beings, right? Yeah. And um, the fact that this had to be introduced as legislation suggests to me that it's not done well mm. um, and, you know, maybe this is something to keep having in-depth conversations on. But, again, we could go down the rabbit hole here, Ben, and, and this podcast is about you. So let me ask you the final question question with crystal ball stuff here going back in time. If you could go back to a 20-year-old Ben to mm-hmm. tell him about what makes an effective leader, what would you say to yourself?
1: I would say that be yourself. Yeah, don't, don't think you have to necessarily mimic somebody else, even though the influence I talked about at the early stage of my career, just, just be yourself. Be, be natural with it because people will know if you're not. Don't try and mimic exactly somebody else. Go back, understand what your values are. And, and I've spent quite a bit of time in doing that. And I, and I sort of worked out fairly on in my career. If, if I flex on those, you feel really uncomfortable. It's horrible. It's not a nice position to be in. And I've done it. I've definitely done it. And um, I've learned that I'm not going not gonna to tr- go down that route. I'm going to stick to sort of values where I feel comfortable, be authentic, be yourself. Um, and that's what I'd say would be the, uh, the advice for the 20-year-old, which is a long time ago. <laughs>
0: you and me both, mate. I'd like to thank Ben for sharing his leadership insights with us today. I was very interested in that idea of being motivated and being challenged in a role, particularly in the leadership context. Thanks again for supporting the podcast. If you can, please drop a like or subscribe. But more importantly, look after yourselves. Have a great week and we'll catch you all on the next episode of Talking Leadership TV.